the Action Network podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible! Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is your NFL Week 2 betting preview where we will talk about our favorite totals teasers underdogs and of course build our weekly sunday six-pack of against the spread bets with the help of my co-host the prime minister of degenerate nation uh swept the six-pack last week what's good stuck oh what's going on it was uh survived survivor both of us yeah um i went five and oh and all of my against the spread pools I had a long discussion with some of the powers that be, and we did decide to give you another chance to keep you on board here at Action <laughs> because you, after ruining the perfect six-pack, but you had a great day as well. Uh, but again, it's one week. Enjoy them, right? There's only so many Sundays. I say the same thing in college football, but a lot of variance and week-to-week results. Don't dwell on them. Don't just then unload all, all of your winnings on Monday night and chase. It's on to week two. Put that behind us, but uh, definitely an enjoyable week one. Hell yeah. It was a good week one. Hope everybody was following you in the app at Stucky2, me at Chris Raybon. Uh, And if you're looking for an even deeper dive into tonight's Thursday night football game, check out our new NFL live show, Action Island, airing every Thursday at 5.30 Eastern on the Action app, the Action YouTube page, and at Action Network HQ on Twitter, and presented by our friends at FanDuel. But let's get started on today's show where we cover another loaded slate uh, of games, starting with a really good Thursday night game, uh, and that's between the Chiefs and the Chargers. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. So we got the Chargers up to four and a half point underdogs at FanDuel. Uh, the total is 54 and a half. Uh, four and a half seems like it's kind of getting out of hand. What do you think? I do this every year for week two. I just want to say okay, it's kind of like my monologue for week two. The NFL week to week market overreactions. Well, you won't have a ton of stats here, right? We won't have a ton of, okay, this team has been running this or this team ranks this. Because There's only one data point. So a lot of it's still priors and you got to decide which teams to adjust, which not. But if you're new to the show, you know, after weeks three and four, and you have a month of data or so we'll start to get into all that's uh, some of the analytics when we build our plays but just high level week two dogs that didn't cover game one by seven or more 53 35 and one that's 60 percent against the spread over the past 20 years applies to the jets cardinals cowboys teams off a blowout win of at least three touchdowns chiefs bills since 20 2010 27 percent under just overall in week two 53 percent Past 20 years, dogs who lost in week one that are teams that lost week one that are now dogs, 55%. Double digit loss in week one, 61% as a dog in week two. Week two dogs that didn't cover in week one, fit just didn't cover, not, not about winning, 
56, 32, and two, six, just under 64% since 2005. And week two dogs of six or less in week two off a straight up loss, 64, 32, and three, just under 67%. Applies to Panthers, Jags, Jets, and Cardinals. Speak to some of the overreaction. It's a week to week market in the NFL. I didn't see as many drastic overreactions as usual in week two, but there are a few. And I, I think this is one of them. I actually got so moving on to the Thursday night football with Chargers Chiefs. Yeah, coming into last week, I said to myself, okay, my ideal, what I really want to happen for my Chiefs survivor pick, Chiefs money line parlay, my card, our Cardinals win total under. I want the Chiefs to win by a million. And they almost did. I think they won by 900,000. Um, they could have won by a million if they wanted to. But, and I was like, if that happens, we'll get the hook. And that's all I wanted. And I bet this, um, a couple of days ago, I put it in the app. I said, I just really just wanted the hook here because I, I have these teams paralleled almost exactly the same. And Charters pick up a division win, press a division win, wasn't a given. And the Chiefs beat up a completely decimated team that we weren't buyers in. And it's Andy Reid with prep against uh, Cliff Kingsbury. So it's not like I was like, oh my God, now the Chiefs, I have to upgrade them so much. Uh, that result wasn't that unexpected to me. Mahomes ripping apart that Cardinals defense. You know, look, there's no Keenan Allen. But remember, last year, the Chargers lost in overtime against the Chiefs without Keenan Allen. All they did, they, what they did is they ran it down their throats. 39 rushes for 200 yards. And it went to overtime, even though the Chargers turned it over five times in Chiefs territory. Three times on downs, two turnovers, including three times inside the Kansas City Five with no points. And it went to overtime with no Keenan Allen. For what it's worth, I think that the Chargers are going to be able to run the ball again here. They'll still be able to move the ball on this Chiefs defense the charters are a better roster chiefs are still really good but probably around the same there's no butker for the chiefs they're gonna have the worst kicker in this matchup which is so weird for me to say they have like the x chargers kicker probably introduces some variance how many fourth downs are we gonna get in this game maybe the chiefs will probably decide to go for it a little more jc jackson has a shot to play that chargers defense looked really good last week so yeah i liked anything over three now you can get four four and a half take it Lack of prep here, you know, it's a short week, favors the Chargers, right? Andy Reid with prep has been really good. Teams that are playing a division game in week two, for whatever reason, their second straight division game have been really good against the spread. I also would like the under here. I don't know why this total went up to without Keenan Allen and an improved Chargers defense. Unders on Thursday night football, 54 or more, 7-0 and to the under since 1990. Mahomes and Herbert, 54, 52, 57, 56 four overtime that's been the point total so you're right around there but a lot of times it, it's taking these shootouts late like things get crazy so i'll take maybe, maybe take the first i might take the first half under i might take the game total under and then look for a live over spot i think either one of these teams can come back and the game could get a little crazy late but favorite play in this game is chargers i think this will be a really good game I think it's a field goal game i think anything over a field goal uh i'll take for if it was Chiefs plus three and a half or Chargers plus three and a half, uh, that's all I wanted. But now they can get a better number, even better. How about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think the Chargers, you know, they've always kind of had that formula of, you know, stopping the Chiefs. And I think that that under is a good call. You know, week two divisional unders, anything 43 or higher going all the way back to 05, uh, 39 and 22, 64%. So I think that's a good call too. The Chiefs and Chargers, like coming into the year, I felt like, you know, those two teams, take your pick. And then the Broncos, probably a little behind them. 
we knew the Cardinals were going to get stomped last week. I mean, they have no cornerbacks and they're going against Patrick Mahomes. Like I ended up ranking him, you know, my QB one in fantasy. Uh, that was not the consensus. I think, I think it was uh, still Josh Allen. So um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on this one. I think it's, it's chargers or nothing and it's under nothing. Should be a really good game for once, you know, Thursday night, we get some, we get some weird ones on Thursday night, but uh good, good job out the schedule. The schedule makers have actually, I do give them credit, you know, early, you know, they, they gave us the Russ rematch. They gave us the, the Baker rematch. You know, they, now they give us Chiefs charges on Thursday night football. They gave us that Bucks Cowboys rematch from last year. Like a lot of good, uh, what a good scheduling. All right, yeah, let's jump into the Sunday six pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six pack. All right, so uh, as mentioned, you swept last week. Uh, so you got your two, two, one plus an extra point for sweeping. Uh, I got my both of my two pointers missed on the Patriots Dolphins game, and uh, that that was just a bad game for us because you missed the over, I missed the spread, uh, so fuck that game. But uh, you're up first this week uh, on the. Yeah, I figured we were we were both in trouble when uh, the Dolphins got that pick in the end zone to start yeah, the game. That was it. That, that was, was that was it. That was it. Devontae Parker uh, never never heard from again after that either. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So for my first pick of the week two Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel. I'm going with the, you guessed it, New England Patriots minus two and a half at the Pittsburgh Steelers, the only team that we couldn't nail last week. I'm going right <laughs> back to the well with, by the way, this is the first time since the first time this matchup doesn't feature either Big Ben or Tom Brady since Mac Jones, who is presumably healthy for this one with his back spasms, was three months old. That's how long it's been. Wow. And now we have Mac, Mac Jones versus Mitchell Trubisky. Big highlight here. It looks like Najee Harris should be good to go as well. And, and Mac Jones, there were some injury questions on both sides of the ball. But T.J. Watt will not go. And that is just massive. I mean, the impact that he had on that game against Cincinnati last week, unbelievable. I mean, maybe the best back-to-back plays in NFL history from a defender. He tackles Burrow and Mixon in the backfield to blow up a running play and then sits back a little bit and picks off Burrow the next play. Astounding. And if you look at the Steelers' defensive numbers with and without Watt over the years when he's missed games of injuries, it's bad. So I think they'll really miss his presence here. And I think with the Patriots, I'm still worried about the Patriots' offense after what I saw last week, the play calling, the problems we saw in camp. But what I think they can still do is run the ball, and they, I think they'll be able to do it here with no Watt. That was the weakness of the Steelers' defense last year. So I think the Patriots will be able to control the clock, move the ball on the ground, and grind this Steelers defense down. The other side of the ball, I just ultimately don't trust Mitch Trubisky, this offensive line. And uh, I think Belichick will have a solid game plan. And we might be hearing that Mitchell, old Mitchell has uh, was seeing ghosts and there might be some calls for Kenny Pickett after this game. By the way, Belichick off a loss, 48-22 against the spread, 67% covering by almost a touchdown a game. How about after a loss? 29 and nine against the spread on the road, over 76%. Here's my favorite 25 and three against the spread, 89.3% after a loss is either an underdog or a favorite of under a touchdown. So sometimes, you know, he hasn't covered when they're like 10 to 14 point favorites. 25 and three is a dog or a favorite under a touchdown, covered by 11 points per game. Yeah, a lot of that's Brady. 
But he's also four and one against the spread in that spot with Cam Newton, Matt Jones, and Matt Castle. The championship, that's what our goal is. That's all I really am about is trying to win football games. Here you go. What, an 863rd time? I tweeted out we're going to record this podcast, and someone was like, rah-rah. No, this is not the rah-rah spot. First of all, the Tomlin's not – I mean, it's not a dog. It's two and a half. Uh, I consider it an underdog, you know, over three. In a spot where everyone's saying they have no chance, that's not the case here. They're 1-0 off of a big win. Straight up. Win this game, bro. Win this game. Playing a Patriots team that looked awful last year. If anything, this is rah-rah for the Patriots. What? Speaking to that, since 2018, Mike Tomlin, after rah-rah, so after a straight-up upset when the Steelers were at least a three-point underdog, which happened last week, 1-7 against the spread the next week. Anti-rah-rah. Give me the pats to get this done on the road. To me, being emotional is giving a damn. Should you have to apologize for Karen? I, I was trying to buy low last week, man, and, and it just completely backfired. I, I mean, it was it felt like it was like a couple of plays, but they at the same time, they did nothing in the whole game. So, like, even if those plays swing the other way and he doesn't get the interception and he doesn't give up the fourth down, like, the Patriots still didn't really do anything. Uh, but like you said, it's just a spot. You know, this is this is a Pittsburgh letdown spot. And this is kind of what you want to do in week two. Uh, like you said, we only have one data point. Pittsburgh could have lost. Like, how many touchdowns did Jamar Chase catch last week? Because, yeah, I know he got one, but he caught about five. Somehow Pittsburgh won that game. So, yeah, letdown spot for the Steelers. And look, I was on the Steelers last week. But I, I assumed that the Bengals were going to have major problems with that offensive line in their first start after not doing anything in preseason, four new starters. Burrow throws five picks, gets sacked seven times under pressure the entire game. That wasn't unexpected to me. Now, Mr. M- Mr. Money Mac missing an extra point to win the game. I mean, <laughs> locked. Uh, that was a little bit unexpected. Minka. I mean, that was Minka. That was like Minka. Yeah, yeah. What a game. What a game for Minka. Unreal. Uh, also, he yeah, he missed the field goal, though. So I just wanted to, just wanted to say to the Bengals fans out there, hold your horses on ever comparing. Now I got the Browns fans doing the same thing with Cade York, comparing – your kicker to the greatest kicker in the history of the NFL. That's all I'll say. <laughs> like there that. is no next Tucker until there is a next Tucker. Can't, can't argue with that, man. All right. For my first pick and the second overall pick of the week number two, Sunday six pack, I am going with the Jacksonville Jaguars plus four and a half at FanDuel against the Indianapolis Colts at home against the Indianapolis Colts. You know what that means. I mean, it's, it's kind of like an auto bet at this point. Jacksonville, last six years, 6-0 and at home against the Colts since 2015, winning by an average of 16.8 points per game, 6-0 and against the spread against the Colts since 2015, hovering by an average of 20.1 points per game. The Colts just struggled down here, man. This is Jaguars week, you know? When when Indianapolis goes down there to the heat, it just doesn't fail. They just don't play well. Uh, we saw what happened at the end of last year. Now, and it's not even like this is like, okay, like Carson Wentz got his revenge, you know, in Washington. So it's not like it's a revenge spot for the quarterback. But, you know, looking at this Colts team, I mean, need you see more than what happened last week against the Texans? I mean, this is a very kind of mediocre Colts team yet again. And every year they kind of try to take that next step, but I still think they're short at receiver outside of Pittman. You know, he's great, obviously, but 
Uh, I, th- I just think this is overall a very mediocre host team going on the road uh, to a place where they always struggle. You know, Matt Ryan's still in his second game with these with these new receivers. Jonathan Taylor, he's going to do what he does. We know that. But I like the Jaguars. I still think the Jaguars are going to be improving as the year goes on on offense. Uh, I liked what uh, Peterson did. He kind of opened it up a little bit. They went a little pass heavy. Uh, Christian Kirk in the slot. Uh, Zay Jones played well, though he had a, a key drop or two. But I think this Jaguars offense is going to be much improved. So I don't think it's the same, like, terrible, you know, Jaguars team that like from last year. I still think the defense uh, has some issues. But, uh, you know, at home, playing in their home opener against the team that they own, uh, I think it, I think it's going to actually be a pretty, pretty fun Jags game, pretty – uh, you know, they don't have a big home field advantage, but I think in this spot, I think it'll be uh, I, I got it a little higher than usual. So uh, just love this spot for Jacksonville. And this is just one of those, you know, we talk about, you know, coming in these trends for, you know, teams coming off a loss in week two, 62, 34 and two, 65 percent since 05 and week two dogs off against the spread loss. I think you mentioned it, 56, 32 and two, 64 percent since 05 as well. So, I mean, it's just this is just a spot that you want Jacksonville, uh, this Coast team, I mean, down 17 points to the Texans. You could say it's a bounce back spot, but the fact that the Colts went down 17 to the Texans, the Houston Texans, the worst, what everyone considers the worst team in the National Football League, it doesn't bode well for this team going forward. And uh, I'm usually not impressed with the Colts. I thought they would be a little better this year, but I just don't see it. I think it's going to take some time. I, I still feel like that offense is just running through two people. I mean, Matt Ryan threw a Carson Wentz interception last week. Same old coach for me. Give me the Jags plus four and a half. Yeah, I like this as well. You could argue it's a decent spot for the Colts' revenge for, you know, the Jags kicking them out of the playoffs last year. They're coming off an embarrassing game. The first place Colts, by the way, who don't have a win in that sad, sad division. Shaq, uh, Shaq Leonard should be back which he practiced in full today. We'll see if he's at full strength. That should help a little bit. I assume Buckner, DeForest Buckner, was just taking a vet day today. Uh, Kenny Moore was also on the injury list. But on the other side of the ball, it, yeah, and I agree, the Jacksonville offense is going to be better. I think this is a good matchup for Jacksonville's defense. The Colts receivers, by the way, it's a bad situation. The tackle play last week was horrendous against the Texans. And, you know, Alec Pierce, who they're counting on this year, is in concussion protocol now. Pittman's dealing with a quad. I assume we'll be good to go, but that's you never like the year receivers dealing with a quad and was limited in practice. But ultimately, you're just not scared of the Colts receivers. And that's important if you're Jacksonville, if you're betting on Jacksonville, because their secondary is their weakest area by far. Their new defensive coordinator, Mike Caldwell, Todd Bowles guy, from scheme perspective, you can expect a massive improvement uh, against the run just from schematics alone. Last week, Washington. 28 carries, 85 yards, already saw the improvements there. That's a key against the Colts, who want to feed one of the best running backs in the NFL. So from a matchup perspective, uh, I do like it. And uh, if Buckner and or Leonard, I'm assuming they're going to be at full strength, or are not, and or more is important in the slot, love it even more. Uh, but uh, I agree. I think this line is a bit high. We'll find places to back the Colts, you know, three th- – Usually like week four is when I always bet the Colts every year. <laughs> Hopefully they come up, they lose this game and then, you know, kind of go from there. Get to, if they if they tie the Texans in and lose to the Jags, uh, there's definitely going to be some buy lows opportunities. Just refer as many ties. I mean, that's all I'm going to do with the AFC South kids, refer as many ties as possible. 
All right, for my second pick and the third overall, the Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons plus 10.5 at the Los Angeles Rams. And look, the Rams have issues, major issues across the board. I know they have extra prep here. They're at home. Home field advantage isn't great. But their offensive line is a disaster. They, Matt Stafford, the pressure rate allowed higher than any game of all, all of last season. And the Bills didn't blitz one single time. Now their center, starting center is out for a month. Good luck against Grady Jarrett. Their tackle, who's replacing a future Hall of Famer, is banged up and looked bad last week. Across the board, this offensive line looks bad. You're probably still missing your deep threat at receiver. Allen Robinson looked like he was running in snow. It was bad. The offense as a whole just looked off. I think this defense could also take a step back this year as well. I know they were playing the Bills, and you don't want to overreact, but I think that the Rams could have some issues early on in the year and really starts the offensive line. And who knows, even if Stafford is fully healthy. But I I like the Falcons. I think that there's some value in this number at 10.5 for a couple of reasons. I think that this Falcons defense will remain undervalued early in the year. They did some nice things last week, and we talked about this in the preseason. Dean Pease, historically, his defenses improve year two. We're changing the culture around this day going place, okay? And it's not going to be mediocre. It's not going to be in the bottom half of the league. That bullshit's over. Very complex scheme, disguise a lot of looks. That's not ideal for this offensive line, which is going to try and piece it together this upcoming weekend. Falcons offense, they... Showed me some nice things last week. Now, the Falcons will probably be up 14 in the fourth quarter and lose. That's what they do uh, better than anybody. Arthur Smith and a couple more boneheaded in-game decisions last week that cost them the game. But, uh, yeah, I think the Falcons are going to be feisty this year, catching double digits in the NFL early on in the season, especially if there's more uncertainty to these teams. But just in general, I'm always intrigued catching double digits. And uh, I think this is – a good spot to get the Falcons in a game where everyone just assumes the Rams are going to bounce back because they lost week one. But uh, I'm, I'm taking the opposite stance here. Anything over 10, I'm with the Falcons here. Yeah, I like the Falcons. I would That would have been one of my picks. I, I like some of the things they're doing on offense. I don't know how they lost that game against the Saints. Obviously, the, the defense still has some issues. But uh, overall, I think it's going to be a creative offense. Uh, you know, Cordero Patterson showed that he could be a, a workhorse if they need, you know, in that game. They got, uh, you know, Drake London. I think he'll only get better. Kyle Pitts didn't even, hasn't even gotten the season started on the season yet. I mean, he did nothing against the Saints. So, you, you know, you got weapons all around. And I think, you know, this Rams defense too is for the top end talent that they have. It just doesn't seem as scary to me. And, and even going back to last year, like, I don't know with Ramsey, like, Ever since they started putting him in the slot, it just feels like he's not making as much of an impact, and he's getting beat. Uh, like, the offensive line, I mean, it, you could just tell that Matthew Stafford, you know, when he's not when – he, when he doesn't have time, you know, it's, it's back to Detroit Matthew Stafford, you know? It's like he'll make some plays and he'll get some things going, but also, you know, he's not always going to bail you out. He lost a lot of games uh, in Detroit because oh, he didn't always have an offensive line. He didn't always have more than one receiver. Uh, and, uh, and, and now you're kind of going back to that. So yeah, 10 and a half, uh, too many points this early in the season, especially after we just saw the Falcons put together a pretty solid performance 
uh, last week. Now, obviously, they're going on the road here, but Rams, not a huge home field uh, advantage. I mean, they had to go silent count uh, last week. So, yeah, it's uh, long rest. I guess that's the thing. That's Maybe that's why the line is so big. Yeah, Ramsey's about to be 28, by the way, and that's when you start to fall off, like 27 27- 24 to 27 is usually the prime in 2020 only one quarterback threw at him more than nine times last week i think josh allen went like seven seven of eight for like 108 yards last year brady threw at him 12 times cousin threw at him 10 times russ and gino combined to throw at him 10 times burrow threw at him nine times in the super bowl like uh, so team, uh, teams are obviously NFL teams are obviously scouting this stuff and in 2020 no one and be, before no one was throwing at him now you're seeing teams do so must mean something. Uh, but yeah, I think too many points here. All right. Uh, for my second pick and the fourth overall of the week two Sunday six pack, I am going with the Detroit lions minus one and a half at home uh, against the Washington commanders. And uh, I like this matchup for Detroit, you know, second straight home game, uh, got away from them last week, but uh, going up against Washington, I, I just, I'm not very impressed with this Washington team. Uh, you know, they needed a comeback to to knock off the Jaguars at home last week. I think their run defense is going to be an issue uh, against Detroit. You know, Detroit, this should be a shootout. Uh, it'd probably be a shootout, but we know Detroit's defense is going to struggle, but looking at Washington's defense, I mean, they gave up six, over six yards of carry. Uh, last week to the Jaguars, that spells trouble against this Detroit team that had that that they want to run. DeAndre Swift looked like the one of the best backs in the league last week. Uh, Jamal Williams running well as well, and then Washington's cornerback—they're just not playing well. This whole defense is just not playing well, and I think you know Detroit with Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Chark. Uh, I think they can. I think Detroit is going to have matchup advantages uh, all over the place on offense, and you combine that with being at home. Uh, second straight home game. Carson Wentz going on the road, coming off a, a you know just got his big uh, big revenge against the the Jags after what they did to him last year. I just think this is a letdown spot for for Washington, and I think Detroit. I'm a little higher on Detroit than the market, but that win total started to, to creep up. But I like buying low on them in this spot here. Uh, you know, one and a half. I think they could win this game. Uh, so I, I like Detroit here. Uh, week two home teams, by the way, uh, against uh, a road team that covered at home in week one, uh, 60, 49 and two, 55 percent against the spreads until five, eight and four uh, when favored by under a field goal. So usually you don't see, you know, positive uh, ATS trends for favorites. But uh, in this spot, Detroit has one uh, like the matchup here against Washington. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. The only against the spread trend they need is uh, Dan Campbell, who all he does is cover uh, <laughs> that, too. that number one last year in the NFL and covered again in week one. doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. But this is the first time the Lions will be favored. The Lions are favored for the first time in 24 games. My only concern here is I played the Lions minus one early. And, I, you know, now I wish I potentially would have waited because I didn't think that the injury situation could look this bad on Wednesday. Now. Thursday's the day we record this on Wednesday that you really see you really get a tell on okay this person really might not play and a lot of times when you're looking at these injury reports if you see a vet on a Wednesday a lot of times it's just like a rest day 
um, if there wasn't like a serious injury. But the Lions' offensive line and and Swift didn't practice today. They had three players in their offensive line didn't practice today. So that I am concerned about going up against the Washington defensive line because one of the reasons that I did play this is that assuming that the Lions' offensive line is healthy outside of Vitae at right guard, who's went on IR, but they had Kramer in there. And now, at, when healthy, even without their right guard, they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL can neutralize that Washington defensive line that will still be without Chase Young. And then Goff can have a clean pocket to take advantage of some of the weaknesses in the Washington defense that we see at linebacker and in the secondary. But now I'm a bit concerned about the offensive line and Swift's availability. I don't have too much insight into it yet. We'll find out more tomorrow. Something certainly worth monitoring. From what I hear, it's like they're just giving them rest. Decker was out for like undisclosed reasons. Like I don't think it was... I don't think he's hurt or, or anything, but uh, I know Swift was just kind of getting a rest after going crazy. Dan Campbell said Frank uh, Ragnow is like a little sore, but like I think it's just like a Wednesday thing. Um, not too concerned. I mean, I mean they played a lot of snaps. Uh, you know, high scoring game, a lot of run, a ru- lot of rushing attempts for Swift and all that. So uh, hopefully we're good. Detroit. All right, for my third pick and. The fifth overall of the Sunday sixth pack presented by FanDuel. I'm going with the New Orleans Saints plus two and a half at home against the Tampa Bay Bucks. If you can find a three out here, historically, doesn't make sense to ever buy half points. The full half point, I mean, three, you're going to be paying up to minus 125, minus 130. There are exceptions. And if you're just a recreational better and you really want the three, it's the one time I would excuse it. But historically, if you look back, it doesn't make sense. But if the total's lower, it makes more sense. Also a good teaser piece, which we'll talk about later. The, this line has come down a little bit because of some of the injuries that Tampa is dealing with. A lot of veteran receivers they have. So you, it's like, all right, are they really hurt? Are they not? But they were limited last week, dealing with some injuries. None of them practiced today. Also, you have a situation on the offensive line. Another situation, they're already dealing with a lot of turnover in the interior. Now their tackle, Thelton Smith, he left last week's game. Not sure if he's going to be able to go. And what do we know about the Saints defense? It's the one team that has given Brady issues over the past couple of years. And that was when the Tampa had one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So now you're dealing with all this, and you know you don't have your full set of receivers. Your offensive line is a shell of itself, and you're going up against a very stout Saints defense that always has you scouted well, that is always going to give Brady problems. And look, that Cowboys defense, Cowboys offense can do anything last week, especially in the red zone. You saw that, how much Brady was getting hit and pressured. So I think that's going to play out here, and you can go all the way back 20 years with Brady. The only chance you have against him, Go watch that Eagles game last year. Gannon in his zone, by the way, zone against Cousins. You look at Cousins' numbers versus man in his zone, ridiculous. So Eagles zone might look good this week. I got three words for you. You like that? Yeah! You, you never zone Tom Brady. It's why Tom Brady dominated the Steelers. Steelers used to run that zone forever, and Brady would put up 50 every time. The only teams that would ever have any success, you have to get pressure, and you have to play man on the outside. 
Saints are capable of doing that. But Ravens used to be able to have a really good Ravens defense used to do that as well. You know, we'd have guys like Suggs getting pressure. You'd have your really good secondary on the outside blanketing the receivers. You, you got to force Brady to make quick decisions. You can't be running zone. Saints defense matches up really well here. Love that I saw from Winston last week on the offense. And, you know, kind of a slow start, but he really got going. If you look at some of the advanced metrics, he played really well. They were throwing the ball downfield, being aggressive. I don't think the drop-off with Peyton, that's one data set. So it's just one game. It's all we have. It's something we're going to have to monitor. But Landry looked great. Michael Thomas got in the end zone twice. So uh, I think the Saints can do enough here at home. Big home field advantage here against a team that they've just dominated because they match up pretty well against Tampa, who's clearly just not at full strength right now on the offensive side of the ball. We'll see who ends up suiting up at receiver. But uh, I think the Saints get this done at home. You know, watching that Dallas game, I, it kind of felt like, okay, the the strength of that line, if there is one, is is on the interior, is run blocking. It's definitely not pass blocking. But the Saints usually play really You're good against, against the against run. The Saints. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's kind of one of those – it's just a tough matchup. Thinking about an under for this as well, just because, you know, you look at that Tampa Bay offensive line last week and, you know, Donovan Smith gave up three pressures in just 10 snaps, and he might not even play this week. And then, you know, the uh, the, the Gadecki, the left guard, the rookie left guard, gave up three pressures. You had Josh Wells come in for Donovan Smith and gave up two more pressures. So you got you got five pressures from your left tackle, and then – uh, you know, the Saints defensive line is much yeah. better than the Cowboys defensive line. Yeah. I mean, they gave up 12 pressures, two sacks, two hits, uh, eight hurries, but 12, 12 pressures uh, on just 29 uh, pass snaps. That is. Yeah. That is, Tampa's biggest success yeah. for net had, for net had a great day running the ball. You don't run against New Orleans. Exactly. I, I liked what I saw at the Tampa Bay's defense. I, I will say. Uh, low scoring kind of game. And uh, yeah, I think the saints are a live dog here as usual against Tom Brady. I mean, this, this team just has his number. I mean, you could, you could just look at the last few matchups. I mean, wasn't it nine, nothing or something like that? Nine to three yeah. last nine year. Nothing. Yeah. Nine, nothing. I mean, they shut out this Bucks offense. This is just, uh, this is just not the matchup for him. And I, I, I'm really curious to see kind of how they scheme this up because they can't, you don't really want to try to run against the Saints, although Cordell Patterson looked fine, but those Saints-Falcons games are always a whole nother. Like, you almost have to throw those out. Like, they're just division games. They just – the Falcons seem to always kind of play them well, but – How are you projecting yeah. the Bucks receivers this weekend from your fantasy stuff? It's tough because, you know, Mike Evans always struggles against Lattimore, too. He hasn't yeah. had – Yeah, he, he does nothing. had a big game and he was the only Lattimore. He was, like, yeah. the only one that practiced today but was limited. Yeah. And the rest didn't practice. Yeah. This might be an under game. Uh, for me, but uh, like, I wish I would have gotten the three, like you said, uh, if I don't get it, I, I probably play the under. I do want to take a second for a quick announcement to any listeners who use the action app. Thanks to our new partnership with FanDuel starting right now in week two, we've got a new technology update for all you gamblers out there. It's called quick slip. And here's how it works. Let's say you've got a FanDuel account and you're in the action app looking for the best lines. You can use Quick Slip to go directly to FanDuel with that same pick in a bet slip ready to go. Huge time saver for any Action App user who bets with FanDuel. So be sure to check it out. Let the games begin. For my third and the final pick of the week two Sunday six pack presented by FanDuel. I am going with the Carolina Panthers plus one and a half at the New York Giants. And 
This we know is... it's coming here. Daniel Jones home road splits. Oh man, yeah, on the road. What did I, I think he was nine and now ten and zero, catching uh, less than eight points uh, after covering last week. I knew they were going to win when uh, when you came out here with the with the Undertaker in the dark, just G man. Now, producer, can I get a G man? Can I get a Berman G man clip? G man. Thank you. What a massive win, by the way. Not only for our bets, but I had Giants season win total over and Titans win season win total under. So, uh, how about another G man? G man. Thank you. Now that that's out of the way. Now we got to fade him. Everyone's loving Brian Dable. Everywhere I, I go, I see an article about him. And yes, he's obviously a massive step up from what they had. But Saquon Barkley doesn't break a tackle at the three-yard line. Uh, the fat the fat kicker from Tennessee hits the, hits the field goal. And we're having a whole different conversation here. So, you know, now, you know, not only do we have Daniel Jones, 7 and 12, 37% against the spread at home. But we have all these... Kind of same trends, buy and low on these teams that lost against the spread, lost straight up, 65%, 64% respectively. You also have week two dogs that lost a close game. So week two dogs that lost by four points or less are 26, 14, and three, 65% against the spread since 05. And I think the thing for Carolina that they can exploit, because these are, these are still two bad teams in my opinion, but looking at the Giants last week, what did they struggle with? They, they were able to corral Derrick Henry pretty well, but they couldn't cover Dontrell Hilliard. And that's a big issue because now you're facing Christian McCaffrey. Two TDs for Dontrell Hilliard. Austin Coitro uh, is one of the linebackers. He's an undrafted free agent from 2017 who's finally getting a chance uh, in the NFL after like five years. He was the worst graded linebacker in coverage. And then Tay Crowder uh, is annually the worst great one of the worst graded linebackers in coverage so uh, i think that's going to be a real issue for the giants is is uh covering christian mccaffrey mccaffrey's and, gonna have a huge huge yeah. day and by the by the way our boy aaron robinson is out i think with a it is appendix removed i don't know who's playing the second corner spot for the giants this week but that's scary we're not sitting here saying the panthers are amazing but i have these teams outrated about equal panthers actually a tiny bit ahead and Giants, not really much home field advantage. So, uh, you know, getting the, uh, you know, this is essentially like a pick to me. And uh, looking at this Giants D, you mentioned it. it. There's holes all over. You know, they didn't really, uh, they only got one sack. They're not going to get pressure against Mayfield. They, they'll probably bring some blitzes, but that's not the same with just being able to get organic pressure. Uh, Mayfield is does the worst when he's just under, you know, kind of organic pressure. When he gets blitzed, blitzed he's had some success. Uh, in his career. So it's, you know, it's one of those matchups where, you know, a team that doesn't get any type of pressure off the edge, uh, the, the O-line, you know, don't let Saquon's big game fool you. Like the O-line still did not really play well outside of uh, Thomas. Uh, so I still think, uh, you know, Brian Burns could get off on, on Neil who had a, a pretty bad game in week one. And I just think that this Giants team come back down to earth a little bit after that big celebration last week, you know, everybody's on Dable's nuts. Now everybody's on Saquon's nuts. Uh, but we, you know, even though Daniel Jones only threw four incompletions, uh, Daniel Jones, man, we, we, we see how he could damage a, a, a like a spread, a, a, a number like this, because he threw a ball straight to the, the other team for no reason too. like, like, what are you doing? Throwing like a, that wasn't even a back shoulder. That was just a no shoulder, like to Saquon. So 
Um, you know, this is where we tend to see Daniel Jones give these games away uh, at home for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, just buying well on the Panthers who easily, we could be talking about a one and O Panthers team and an O and one Giants team. Uh, if the referees get 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 the call right in the or two uh, in kicks, game, two kicks, yeah. two kicks go the other way. A fifty-eight yard field yeah. goal and yeah. Uh, yeah, the, so. uh, the two-point conversion. Right. I can't join you here, but you, you know that. I mean, I have the I have the Giants power rate higher than the market, uh, pretty substantially. And by the way, one of the reasons that I love the Giants win total under came to fruition in the first week with like more competent play calling and decision making. Yeah, going for two there at the end and. All that kid version. I don't. I mean, I'm not playing the Giants. Uh, I'm actually teasing the Panthers, so I'm kind of on your side there. Teasing them up for seven. I like that low scoring game to a total of 43. But yeah, historically, this is free money. Bet Jones on the road, fade him at home, rinse and repeat. All right, so that's our Sunday six pack for week two. Stuck has the Patriots minus two and a half, the Falcons plus ten and a half, and the Saints plus two and a half. I have the Jaguars plus four and a half, the Lions minus one and a half, and the Panthers plus. One and a half. Yeah, let me let me throw something else out there real quick. Now that the line's sitting at two and a half, maybe you get some positive Bucks news on the injury front or offensive line. Maybe there's a group that comes in and hits the Bucks. You're at two and a half now, unless you want to tease it up over eight. You might as well wait, right? To wait to see if that three comes. If it drops to two later in the week, and you see, look, the three is not going to come. Chances are, now that I say this, that they're going to lose by two, but chances are the, the Saints aren't going to lose by two. It's not a key number. It's Wednesday early in the week. So um, while I say I'm taking two and a half, I have three already at minus 115, but you you might as well wait and, and see if that three pops because it is that is exponentially more important than it not getting a three and then it drops down to two. All right. Uh, now it's time for our... Coach's pep talk for week two. You keep playing the way you're playing. We're going to get an ass beat again tonight. And it stops right now. Today's coach's pep talk comes to us from Al Pacino in the 1992 film, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And we're dedicating it to none other than Nathaniel Hackett. What are you doing, bro? You stupid fucking. Now I'm talking to you, shithead. You just cost me $6,000. What are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about it, asshole? Where did you learn your trade, you idiot? What you're hired for is to help us. To help men who are going out there to try to earn a living. Does that seem clear to you? To help us, not to fuck us up. Like, what, what was Nathaniel Hackett thinking? I, I'm at a loss. I saw some numbers out there that said like he was 20 30 percent to make it it's 10 percent tops um maybe even lower than five percent i think history of nfl two two for 30 39 or two for 30 two for 40 somewhere that of over 64 yards 64 or above there's only been one kicker in nfl history that has hit from above 64 outside of the altitude of denver and that's one by the name of justin tucker the best kicker in the history of the nfl and that was in a dome in a dome and he hit it by one inch, he made it. By one inch in a dome, this is at sea level, outside with a little breeze coming at you. I know he has a big leg, but ever, uh, yeah, you're not making that. And you, you signed Russell Wilson for that moment, inexplicable. Then he tried to defend it. And then he, at least he came back and said, look, someone got in his ear. And he said, oh, yeah, we should have went for it. But if, if you have a 64-yard field goal for the win, 
and it's fourth and five. There's still a minute and a half left, and you have, and your quarterback is not Mitch Trubisky. Then you have to ask yourself one question: Is my kicker Justin Tucker? If the answer is yes, hold that thought. If the answer is no, then you go for it every time. If the answer is yes, then you say, okay, am I in Denver? And where is the wind? Ah, you know what? I probably still should go for it. There's a minute and a half left. Yeah. Because by the way, if you make it, the other team's going to get the ball back still. On top of that, you know, people aren't thinking of that. Yeah, there's still a chance that the other team does get a field goal. It's not out of the realm. You get a big return. You complete one pass. You call a couple of timeouts. That has to also be included. But if you're not in Denver, you're not in a dome, and you're not Lane Kiffin, who trotted out Sebastian Janikowski 15 years ago, he got fired the next day, to kick a 76-yard field goal outside into the wind that was like 20 yards short. Go for it! But yeah, so this obviously is dedicated to Hackett. 340 yards for Russ, and you didn't trust him to throw for five more yards. You could have you could have got the five yards and then kicked the field goal. It would have been makeable then. It would have been from 59. <sighs> but yeah. I digress. Let's, uh, let's get into our favorite total. You started the six-pack. I'll start the total. I am going with Green Bay Chicago under 42 and a half. And look, Green Bay could get everybody back. They could get Lazard back. They could get the tackles back. This is not the same Green Bay offense without Devontae Adams because these receivers just aren't getting open. And Alan Lazard's not going to change that. Alan Lazard, uh, in his career, has been targeted about 15% of his routes. Now, the like Devontae Adams is around 30%. That number right there, yes, it has a little bit to do with who you're running routes with, but for the most part, good receivers are going to get targeted, you know? So Alan Lazar is not going to move the needle to, to much of an extent. And what I think is going to happen is Green Bay is going to look and say, okay, we got a team that we should be able to handle at home in Lambeau, 10-point favorite. Uh, we need to run the ball. And I think Green Bay is going to be even run, you know, more run heavy than they were last week. Last week, they threw uh, on 56% of their early downs in the first 28 minutes of the game. I think that is that number is going to go down this week. Uh, I think they're going to try to uh, run on the Chicago defense. And on the other side of the ball, you have Chicago, who they definitely want to run. They only passed on 26% of their plays in the first 28 minutes of the game. So uh, they averaged 1.8 tight ends and fullbacks per offensive snap. So they almost always had some type of heavy personnel uh, on the field. And I think that's what Chicago is going to have to do. But now you have all this talk about Jair Alexander and he's kind of squeaking and upset that he didn't get to cover Justin Jefferson. So you also might get Jair Alexander on Darnell Mooney, which is like the one weapon Chicago has in the past game. Then uh, you, you, you know, you have just, a Green Bay defense that I, you know, didn't show it last week necessarily, but I think it's going to be over the long term, uh, much improved defense. And uh, you're getting your home opener at Lambeau. I just, I think Chicago is really going to struggle for offense in this game. And then Green Bay, I think they run it. And they were 24th in neutral pace in week one. They were 31st in neutral pace last year. They tend to be uh, near the bottom of the league with Aaron Rodgers. He likes to survey things at the line of scrimmage see what he's got. Uh, I think that continues. Uh, I just think Green Bay tries to get out of here uh, with a win. I don't think Chicago does much on offense. And uh, I still think Chicago's defense can have success when Green Bay passes, even if they get everybody back, because Chicago last week, they only blitzed once, and they still got pressure on 37% uh, of Trey Lance's dropbacks. And 
with the way these Green Bay receivers, you know, without Devontae Adams, no one's really breaking open quick uh, with any type of consistency. So I think Chicago is going to be able to get some pressure on Rodgers, but I think Green Bay is more so just going to try to mitigate that uh, with a lot of runs, a lot of short passes. I think they'll be fine kind of dinking and dunking their way uh, down the field in this one. And uh, yeah, give me, uh, give me the under Green Bay, Chicago. Week two divisional unders uh, that opened 43 or higher, which this one did. It, it went down uh, 39-22, 64%, uh, covering by an average of 2.8 points per game since uh, 2005 and when the total drops uh, as this one has 25 and 10 so uh, usually following that line move is the the sharp play in these kind of games so give me the under yeah I think the Green Bay defense will be fine uh, Adrian Amos probably had the Green Bay safety probably had the worst game of his career uh, missed completely blow, blew a coverage and quarters coverage and then took a t- terrible route that led to two Jefferson touchdowns Jefferson obviously is one of the best receivers in the NFL uh, Donald Mooney's good, but he's not Justin Jefferson. And Amos usually makes those two plays. Um, and, you know, I, the, the Packers' defense will be fine. Their defensive line looked good. Not worried about that at all. And it's the Bears' offense. And I, I, I would push back that the Bears passed that much, only passed so much because they were playing in a lake. But they, they're not going to be able to throw the ball anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think the Green Bay defense comes out here angry. Bears' team total under probably is a good look, too. Um, the Packers, yeah, the Packers, what I'm really watching with them before I bet them is their offensive line. Cause usually they just scout offensive line. They're, they're able to like plug guys in when anyone's hurt. doesn't look like that's the case this year. They've lost a lot of players, you know, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Runyon, presumably will come back. It's like throughout for the year, but man, uh, Newman and Hanson on that right side were dreadful. Right. Just, um, Myers is, was rough. I mean, everyone was rough uh, across the board. Um, they really need to get that offensive line healthy to give their offense a chance because they're already trying to make do without Devontae Adams. Um, so, yeah, they need to get their offensive line healthy. And if it's not, it's it, it, the Bears' defensive line will be able to hold the Packers in check. By the way, Aaron Rodgers against the Bears, historically, it's just free money. Uh, he's 19 and 9 straight up, 20 and 8 against the spread against the Bears. 9-0 against the spread after a loss. Teams that are playing a division game in week two that lost a division game in week one, which the Packers did, they're the only team that did. 26-2, and two, 77% against the spread past 20 years. Rodgers owns this team. But I don't know if I can lay double digits without knowing that the – you know, I got to see more from this offense, especially if the offensive line isn't fully healthy. So it's wait and see there, but – Yeah, I expect a dominant performance from the Green Bay defense here. Uh, For my favorite total, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns and New York Jets under 40. It's ugly. Under 40, this has come down a little bit. But I think the Browns defense is still a little underrated by the market. They're getting to go up against a Jets offense that's incompetent. Joe Flacco threw the ball 59 times last week. The Jets scored nine points. Uh, on the other side of the ball, the Browns, they want to run the ball. They want to run the ball, and they want to run the ball again. And they can't really throw the ball down the field. First team since 2019 to average four yards per attempt or fewer in a season opener. They were not throwing the ball downfield. And the Jets, look, they're 
corners, Sauce Gardner looked unbelievable. Yeah. Now they're going up against not the best receiving core with the Ravens, but Bateman didn't do much. And they were putting Gardner on who I'm the biggest fan of. I'm the head of his fan club. But I was like, it's going to take them some time. But they were putting Gardner on Mark Andrews a lot. And Mark Andrews shut out when Gardner was on him. Uh, DJ Reed was the highest rated corner, I believe, in, in the NFL last year. So I don't think the Browns are going to get anything through the air. And the Jets' defense held up against the run last week against Lamar Jackson. Probably one of the worst rushing performances from the Ravens' offense that we've seen. Now they've had they had some offensive line injuries. Dobbins was out, but um, I think that the run defense can hold up here. The clock should be speeding. Now, I mean, Browns are slow. Now the Jets do play fast. They played fast last week because they were down, but they they're not slow last year. Um, but I just don't think that they could do anything with Flacco. There should be a lot of pressure here, and I think this Browns defense is salty and um, underrated. So I think this game is like, let's call it 17-13 Browns final. Yeah, I'll probably be on this as well. Uh, I I think the key here is that the Jets defense is probably a little better than people think, and that's where you're – Well, yeah, if Reed and and Gardner – that enables you to do so much. Then now your run defense is better. Your safeties can help more. Your your linebackers don't have to be as worried, and and they're healthier than they were last year up front. But having two corners in the NFL, and it's not like you have to be that worried against the Browns passing attack. But that does so much for you. And if Gardner's gonna be this good right away, and Reed is gonna play like that, yeah, Jets defense will be significantly improved. The offense still fucking blows. Well said. On that note, <laughs> on that note, uh, let's get right into our favorite teaser. Oh, yeah. Six point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. Yeah. Uh, and for anyone not familiar, teasers are where you get uh, an extra allotment of points when you are parlaying two or more bets. So the standard is a six point teaser, which means if you tease a 14 point favorite, they become an eight point favorite. If you tease a 14 point underdog, they become a 20 point underdog. Uh, Stucky has a lot of great content out on teasers. You can just Google Stucky teasers and uh, you'll find it. But uh, Stuck, where are you going with your teaser for this week? Yeah, I'll keep it. Keep this short and simple. Two games we already talked about. Panthers and Saints just tease them up over a touchdown. Ideally, that's what you want to do. Anytime you tease two teams, you only want to, you never want to cross zero. You always want to try to cross three and seven. And you do that here. And it's even better when they're projected to be lower scoring games, which these two are. We also talked about liking the unders in both. Uh, or at, at least I, I would lean that way with the Panthers. Actually, not as much with the Panthers, but it still totals 43. I wouldn't play that under. Um, and uh, But we do like the under in the Tampa game. Teasing both those teams up over seven, uh, I think, is a plus EV teaser bet. How about you? Yeah, I'm actually going the same way. I was thinking of the Bengals. Uh, I was going to pair them with the uh, with the Saints, but I, you know, I, I'm kind of worried about the Bengals against that Dallas. Yeah, defense, right? same. We got yeah. the, now. You're not going to conflict something I got coming up. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean. Well, teaser there, teasers, teaser for teaser in our teaser segment. So let's <laughs> ju- let's jump right into the uh, the money line underdog parlay. Uh, we both got Saints up to eight and a half, Panthers up to seven and a half. Uh, not as many options this week. 
uh, in terms of teasers. So I think that's kind of, I think that's the best one because uh, as we'll talk about in this next segment, do not trust the Bengals. So let's get right into our money line underdog parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. So uh, you had you, you took care of your side last week. Uh, Jaguars let me down. They looked like they were going to pull it out for a while. Yeah, they had a shot at the yeah, end. That's all you can ask for. Uh, but uh, you had the G-Men and Dable rewarded you. And then he danced. So uh, who, where are you going this week? Yeah, that was fun. I was in my wife's bar and I was there was a whole bunch of people who were rooting for the Giants. I had them all rooting for the Giants for it with me. And I was like, he's pushing it this way. And he pushed it. And we the exactly I was pointing it. Just and we went crazy. It was like I was in uh, the Bronx watching at a, yeah, a bar. Boy. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Dallas Cowboys uh, money line here. I'm I'm gonna bet them. I was waiting to see if this line got up to ten. Uh, I'm gonna bet them on the spread to above seven. We saw that. We've seen this in the past couple of years. These teams with backup quarterbacks for the first game are more than capable of pulling off upsets. It's cost me enough money. Jeez. Now it's about time I jump on. Um, but look, the Cowboys looked awful last week. It's a week to week league. They're probably, they were supposed to be pretty good. Now they lose Dak Prescott. Maybe Gallup comes back. They're not that bad. They're going to lean on their run game here. They're going to feed Zeke probably like 25 times. He looked pretty good. And they said he was healthy. He averaged five yards of carry against the Bucks. That's about as good as you're ever going to do. So Zeke Pollard, short passes, there's some shots to Lamb. And then the most important thing is Burrow looked awful last week, might not have Higgins. And the reason he looked awful last week is because he was under fire the entire game. And I still think that is going to be an issue early on in the season. I think the Bengals will be better off for their upgrades at offensive line as the season progresses, but it's a work in progress. And you saw the communication issues last week. And, you know, Dallas is going to bring different looks from their pressure looks from all over that defense. And, you know, maybe this leads to more turnovers, but I think that Barrow again is going to be under pressure. A couple turnovers here. Dallas controls the clock and uh, with the crowd into it, I think there might be a chance here. And also with a money line underdog, Historically, if you look back when backup quarterbacks do start, if you measure the variance and the results, it's much higher. Like you, you could lose by, I mean, there's way more blowouts, there's way more upset wins. There's just a lot more uncertainty. Also in the game plans as well. So I like that for an underdog, a money line underdog as well. So give me the Cowboys after getting embarrassed last week in a game where everyone just assumes the Bengals are going to bounce back and roll. Not so fast. Yep. Remember Cooper Rush's only start? He threw for 325 beat me. yards. He beat me. Yeah. I, had to, I, had to, I had the Vikings plus two and a half, closed like minus six, and Rush beat me um, and the Vikings. So, yeah, he's, he's – uh, now, granted, Lamb and, and uh, said Wilson Galton playing the game had like 200 yards. But, um, yeah, he's won. He's won on the road here. He's, he's more than capable. I had – Garrett Gilbert against the Steelers defense. I remember that. 10. I remember and that. And he should have won. They should have won outright. They got yeah. stopped. There was a bad call late, but they covered with ease. It's Cooper Rush Nation, baby. I like it. 
Trevon Diggs will probably be on Chase a good amount, and Burroughs, you know, he's going to target Chase, so that that could be a, a turnover right there, at least one. Uh, not not without yeah. even going into the Micah Parsons uh, against this offensive line. Yeah, and who knows with the Higgins? You don't really don't know with concussion. They said he was progressing well, limited in practice. You don't know, but obviously, be a pretty big loss. Yeah, yeah, Mike Thomas. Yeah, that's not not ideal. Uh, all right, for mine, I'm going. I'm going right back to the Jaguars. Uh, this is Jaguars week against the Colts. Uh, they haven't lost since 2015. Uh, you're like me last year. I used the Jaguars a bunch. They they get rid of, they shed Urban Meyer, and now you're you're the biggest yeah. Jags fan out there. I mean, I just I I think this team is going to surprise people. I mean, they almost pulled it out last week, and this is the spot where they they tend to get it done. So uh, you know, already talked about it. They haven't lost in over half a decade uh, at home against the Indianapolis Colts. They're plus 168. So uh, yeah, we're going we're going back to the well with the Jags and uh, that parlay plus two seventy for Dallas plus one sixty eight for the Jags at Fanduel would pay out uh, around nine x. So a hundred dollars gets you just under a thousand back. And uh, now it's time to get into best of the rest, which are the games that we did not talk about in any other segment. Just go out there and try to have fun, you know. You know, having fun is the name of the game. All right. We have the Ravens, your Ravens first up, going against Miami. They are at home. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. The total is 44-and-a-half. Miami blitz Lamar 60% of the time in that Week 10 matchup last year. Uh, Boyer is still there, even though Flores is gone. So uh, are you expecting another blitz-heavy game plan for Miami? Yeah, this is uh... – one of the most important games of the Ravens season for me, for mainly for my Super Bowl future, because we're going to see. Now they might not be fully healthy. I think I think Dobbins is going to play. Actually, Stanley limited in practice. Don't expect him to play. Um, holding uh, probably want to make sure that he's like they play the Bills in Week Four in a game that you know maybe decides the one seed. I think that's what they're targeting for some of these players. I think Peters is going to be back. Um, which will help because they lost Fuller in the slot. I mean, there are already injuries piling up. And if Stanley can't go, you got Macari, who's decent at tackle, but pass protection, he's a lot worse than Juwan James, who was excellent in that department last week. So we'll see because that's important because, yes, I expect the same exact game plan by the Dolphins, who kind of created a blueprint for how to play the Ravens. And it was just cover zero, helps to have good corners, cover zero, blitz everybody and they say look Ravens you don't have great receivers we have good corners and we're just going to swarm Lamar Jackson right off the bat so why is this so important look Ravens didn't really run didn't know design runs for Jackson last week or they just had a couple How, what did the Ravens do in the offseason to adjust so we're going to see what the adjustments were from their offensive game plan to because I'm assuming they're going to expect the same game plan from the Dolphins so really intrigued to watch this. There's some injuries I'm watching on the Ravens side. I might get involved with the Ravens first half because I think that Ravens first half, by the way, one of the best bets in the NFL under Harbaugh, 139-93-8 and eight against the spread in the first half under Harbaugh. That's 59% most profitable coach in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, 35-18-1 in the first half, 66%. Takes defense's time to get used to his speed. Ravens also aren't going to like, if you like them for the game, like you tend to like them for the first half as well. They're not going to like throw their way back from 21 down against good secondaries. But uh, so I might play the, I might play the Ravens first half or under three. If like, if I can get two and a half flat, maybe money line, 
I think the Ravens are going to have a good game plan initially. They're going to come out with a really strong scripted portion. Crowd should be wild, home opener. So I think Tua might struggle a bit early. And then I think it's going to be a good game, and we'll see what the Dolphins do to adjust and how the Ravens maintain their offense. But I think they'll have a good scripted portion early, and they can get a, a lead, and uh, maybe Tucker puts one through at the end of the first half to get the first half cover. So I'm looking there. Nothing I love, because re- really this is a chess match, and it's something that I'm going to be watching closely to see what the Ravens some of the Ravens offensive adjustments are. And if they just get shut out and they change nothing, then I'm going to be extremely concerned for moving forward. That kind of stuck out to me. Just, you know, that Dolphins game point. I remember that like that, that seemed to set it off in, in terms of what like the blueprint. And I've also noticed that I think this is, this kind of started last year, but when they haven't had their backs, you know, they haven't had Dobbins in there, Gus Edwards, like they've become a lot more pass heavy. And I don't know if that's really benefited them so maybe with Dobbins back they start you know kind of getting a little more run heavy usually you don't say that in modern day NFL like oh a team needs to run more but I feel like the Ravens, the Ra- the Ravens are the exception yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, the, yeah. they're the one exception and they, they look they get these backs like Kenyon Drake they run like a, a pretty complex offense it's not like any other offense that you're in so like there's just a, the, there's always issues early in the season with these new backs who weren't yeah. and Harbaugh talked about this so yeah getting Dobbins back I'm pretty sure he's gonna play but he might not. I'm not sure, but he was like, I think he was a full participant in practice today. I don't, I, if I had to guess, Stanley does not, Peters does, and Dobbins does. Not sure he gets a full workload, but we'll see. Yeah, interesting game. Uh, Seattle, San Francisco, nine and a half in favor of the Niners, the total 41 and a half. Uh, Kyle Shanahan just 13, 21 and two, 38% as a favorite when not coming off of a bye. Six, 15 and one is a home favorite. Uh, but Seattle didn't do anything in that second half against Denver. I mean, they, Denver just kind of made mistake after mistake. Uh, so I don't know. It's kind of a stay away for me because I have this number lower than where it's at, but it, this is also kind of a Seattle letdown spot, you know, no 12s here on the road and it's a San Francisco bounce Short back. Week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what we want. Like usually you want, you're fading San Francisco at home uh, in a letdown spot after they got a big road win, but now it's kind of the opposite. They're coming off a road upset. So yeah, stay away from Yeah, that. I got I got nothing here. I'm, I'm worried about like I'm really I told you this before the year. I'm really worried about that San Francisco offensive line. Now, you can't take too much from what Trey Lance did in the offense in general. There's no kittle too. He didn't practice again today. I assume with the type of injuries dealing with you sit him out this week. But there's no kittle and your offensive line's a mess. And look, you played in a pond, but the pressure, the pressure rates are real. And what we like their offensive line has problems. And if you don't have Kittle in there as an elite blocker, even more problems. Now, Seattle's not great at look. If you look at that Seattle game, I mean, Denver's offense ranked elite across the board, except they just don't, didn't know how to quarterback sneak and they couldn't score within the two, two inch yard line like five times. They put up a million yards. Like, I think they were top three EPA per play on offense. It just every stat, like the Seattle defense is not going to be great. Um, so, but yeah, San Fran. Historically under Shanahan at home and as a home favorite, not a great bet. And uh, I still have a lot of questions about this San Francisco offense, which is dealing with injuries across the board. Um, no thanks on laying it and no thanks on fading. Should we say the new Teddy Bridgewater? Because all he does is cover <laughs> nine straight covers for Geno Smith. Uh, so, um, yeah, pat, hard pass. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals Raiders. Cardinals are four and a half point underdogs on 
FanDuel, this line has been kind of fluctuating between four and a half and five and a half. You know, the Cardinals kind of fit all those trends. You know, uh, a team that lost in week one, team that didn't cover, big uh, team lost by double digits. Cliff Kingsbury is 13 and three against the spread as a road underdog. But I just I just look at this Raiders offense and I'm like, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro could just kill these cornerbacks. Like, I, you know, it could this game could just until they figure out something uh with their cornerback situation like these games can are going to be get away from from the cardinals so what do you think yeah the cards like the cardinals have, are fully healthy on offense either and yeah. i don't know if watt's going to play they're not getting any pressure this defense is terrible um no i mean everything if it wasn't cliff kingsbury i'd probably bet this cardinals maybe uh at six <laughs> you grab six that's probably a pretty good grab if this gets to three I'll probably play the Raiders, um, even though it's against like all these week two trends. They're, they're, they're not 100% against the spread. And yeah, I think the Cardinals, we were, we were both low on them coming into the year. And uh, I think uh, that defense right now is not being properly accounted for, especially on the open. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bad situation. And uh, yeah, I think line's probably right right now, four and a half. Yeah. Probably a bounce back spot for the Raiders. Um, all right, let's uh, we'll talk about the last game in our next segment. So let's get right into it. Uh, our week two survivor picks. The survivor pool pick of the week. We're both going with Denver. Uh, tell tell me why. Another thing that I look at is you know you obviously have to plan out. Okay, when are you going to use these teams and who's going to be left? You also want to look at like own. You have to look at okay, what do you think the most popular teams are going to be? Sometimes, hey, I'm going to ride with the consensus. Sometimes it might make sense to not. Then you also have that team that everyone uses in, in your back pocket for later, creating even more of an edge. So Denver might be a popular pick this week, but I think it's even more advantageous to pick Denver because, by the way, if you look at their schedule, yeah, it's it's brutal. Like they got the Jags one week, but I have another team I want to use. And I mean, the Jets at home, they go to the Jags, probably would avoid that. And they have a hack for a coach, it appears. So it's like, and we don't know. Uh, Justin Simmons, by the way, just went on our, but their offense looked tremendous last week, except in the red zone. They're at home in their home opener. And by the way, one of the reasons that I bet the Seahawks wrote that up for actionnetwork.com is I said the offense is going to struggle early on in hurting themselves because they didn't play together the preseason in a zoo. And they had, you saw the false starts. Yeah. Well, now you get to come home. It's quiet. They had no problems moving the ball, um, and they shouldn't against the Texans' defense and their their joke scheme. Broncos' defense will do enough here. On I mean, I, I like to I like minus ten, by the way. And then I look at it. I think you're, it's even more advantageous picking Denver for the schedule, the spot, because I think that a lot of people are going to use the Rams after the Rams lost. I I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams lost that game. We also talked about. The Bengals. I think a lot of people are going to use the Bengals after a loss against Cooper Rush. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bengals go down. So, you know, the Packers, Packers are probably going to be semi-popular. Don't mind that, but there's just a lot of questions about that offense. Bills as well. I think are pretty safe. I'd rather save them for now. Denver's schedule and all those factors combined. I think Broncos are the way to go. Yeah. You look Packers at- would be my two, by the way. Yeah, the Packers probably are would be mine too, but I try to stay away from division games in in, in Survivor just because I think they're always naturally a little bit more unpredictable and closer. Um, Titans, I also you know they could 
I wouldn't be shocked if the Titans beat the Bills, to be honest. Yeah, Vrabel um, wins all these games. Yeah, so, it, you know, you look at the Texans. I mean, they still got outgained by like a couple hundred yards uh, in, in that first week. And the Broncos outgained the Seahawks by almost 200 yards uh, in that game. So I think you're just going to get some natural kind of bounce back uh, on both sides here. So, yeah, I like the 10. I think I think the Broncos probably win by like 17. Yeah, I mean, that's not my style, but uh, I can't I can't really fault you for it. Not mine either. But it just it, it feels right to me. <laughs> All right. That is going to do it for uh, week two Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Uh, be sure to check out all of the other episodes here on the Action Network podcast channel. Uh, Mondays, we have our NFL recap and Monday night football preview. Wednesdays, Sean Kerner and I discuss our weekly player projections. And Thursday, yeah, this episode, of course, with Stucky and I. Friday mornings, we got our 30-minute NFL best bets episode with host Brendan Glasheen, joined by experts like Brandon Anderson, Luke Swain, a.k.a. Vegas Refund, and Jill Gallant. Uh, you can find Stuck on Twitter, at Stucky2, and me, at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app. Be sure to check out actionnetwork.com for all of our betting and fantasy content and projections as well. Uh, until next time, let's get this money. Go Ravens. Right,